Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 125. Psalm 125 this morning. One additional announcement to add to those that uh, Brett gave this morning is that next Sunday in the evening at 5 o'clock, we are planning on having an outdoor worship service uh, off the back of Country Gardens starting next Sunday. And we're going to do it, hopefully, prayerfully, through the month of October. So the last Sunday of September through the month of October. Uh, and hopefully this will give uh, more options for those who are seeking to gather together with God's people in this time, uh, but might feel a little bit more comfortable outside. Or even uh, you who are here and feel comfortable inside, we still invite you to come and be a part of that worship service. We are very uh, excited and encouraged about that time. So now, as you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 125, uh, I want to draw your attention to the title of the psalm uh, right above it. You see it says, A Song of Ascents. A Song of Ascents. Now, the Psalms of Ascents are a group of 15 psalms from Psalm 120 to 134 that are traditionally were sung by the people of God as they traveled to Jerusalem for their annual feasts, in particular, the feasts of Passover, of Pentecost, and of tabernacles, or booths. We talked about that last week, the Feast of Booths. And the reason that they are given this name, the Psalms of Ascent, is because the city of Jerusalem was, topographically, the highest city in Palestine. And therefore, wherever you were coming from, you were traveling upward. You were going up. You were ascending to the city of Jerusalem. And this physical ascent to Jerusalem served as a metaphor for ascending spiritually to the dwelling place of God. The pilgrim was traveling upward to worship the Lord in Zion. This imagery is reflected in another psalm of ascent, Psalm one. 23 to you i lift up my eyes O you who are enthroned in the heavens you see the songs of ascent were pilgrim songs they were traveling songs for those who were making their way upward to zion to worship the lord psalm 125 in particular seeks to encourage pilgrims that despite the inherent risks of travel, the Lord will bring protection to His people along the way. You see, these two fundamental truths stand at the very center of this psalm. One, the world is a dangerous place. But two, the Lord provides security for those who trust in Him. Ever have the people of God been a pilgrim people Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldeans to be a pilgrim in the land of Canaan. The people of Israel were called out of Egypt to traverse the wilderness to the promised land. The name Hebrew itself means one who is traveling or one who is traversing. Throughout their history in the land, the people three times a year were called to these annual feasts to be pilgrims. So it is no surprise that pilgrim is how God's Word described those who seek to follow after Christ. We are called sojourners and exiles. We are told that here we have no lasting city, but that we seek a city that is to come. We are told that our citizenship is not here, but it is in heaven. 
As pilgrims, we have set out from a old land to a new. And yet we have not yet arrived. We are on the way. We are still traveling. God's pilgrim people might be compared, if you will, to a trapeze artist who has let go of one rung but has not yet grabbed the next. We are in the middle, living with all the tension of having left the security of our old home but not yet arriving in the security of our new home. And this tension can leave us feeling vulnerable. This apparent vulnerability is why we need songs of ascent. This is why we need travel songs for worried and worn out pilgrims. We need to be reminded and encouraged of where we are going so that when we encounter hardships and roadblocks, we will not give up. But rather, we will continue to look to the Lord in faith and have peace along the way. You see, these are the songs that our forefathers in the faith sung as they traveled the pilgrim road towards Zion, having received the promise, but not yet having received the reward, obediently climbing the long road, one foot in front of the other, trusting the security of the Lord in the midst of an insecure world. So hear now the word of the Lord to his pilgrim people. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Our Lord Jesus has said, whoever is of God hears the words of God. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come to You, Lord, as those who are worn by the path that we are called to walk in this world, and we need the encouragement of Your Word. And so we pray, O God, that You would speak to us through Your Word this day. Would You not pour out Your Spirit upon us, Your children, that our ears might be unstopped and our eyes might be open? so that we might see the truth of what is spoken here. And we pray it through Christ's holy name. Amen. Climbing is a constant battle. To go upward is to fight against gravity. In my limited experience in hiking and mountaineering, I have found the same thing that every single human being has found it is a lot easier to go downhill than uphill. When you go up, your legs can begin to burn. You breathe heavier. You get tired. If you climb high enough, you can experience lower oxygen levels and difficult conditions. So why go up? Why not leave the mountains with all their dangers and all their difficulties to themselves? The valleys and the plains do not threaten such hardships. Why 
go up. And yet, we do go. We are willing to venture into a world of risk and hardship because there is reward in reaching the top. In Psalm 125, the pilgrim is making his way up to Jerusalem and he sings with his fellow travelers, beginning in verse 1. You can look there again. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. You can imagine the people of God looking out over the landscape and seeing the city of Jerusalem nestled in the mountains of Palestine, surrounded and protected from the hostile outside world. And the word of God says to God's people along the way, if you would but trust in the Lord, you will be as secure as this walled city in the mountains. You will be firm and you will abide. See how the words of the psalm brings these two themes of security and longevity together. Look at the words. It says, you won't be moved. The Lord surrounds you. Therefore, you will abide forever from this time forth and forevermore. Right? The Lord will hold you. The Lord will bring you security and this security will last forever. You will abide. Backsliding is a term that we Christians often use to speak of those who have made a commitment to follow Christ, but have subsequently turned from that commitment. Those who have lost their footing on their pilgrimage. And for many of us, it raises questions about how secure we truly are along the path of following Christ. We all have had a friend Or a relative that at one point or another made a profession of faith, but now has nothing to do with the church or with following after Christ. And what is to keep any one of us from getting tired and worn out from the journey and sliding away from the Lord? What is keeping us on this pilgrim path? There may be those who point to their own endurance and determination as the root of their abiding Right. You know, I I do what I'm supposed to do. I follow the rules according to my own power and endurance. I continue to follow after the Lord. But the word of God is very clear. That is the Lord who protects his people along the way. It is the Lord who will cause his people to abide, not just for a day or for a week or for a year, but he will cause his people to abide forever. In Philippians 1.6, Paul expresses this truth when he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. We call this truth the perseverance of the saints. Eternal security. God ensures that all of His pilgrims will make it home safely. He ensures that not one of them will be lost along the way. We have peace because it is God who surrounds His pilgrim people securing their way home. You will never have peace if you believe that your future security is dependent upon your future ability to follow after Christ. No, it must be dependent upon God alone. And we who have received the promise of the gospel 
must have even more confidence of our security. For the promises of God in Psalm 125 have been fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. For His blood shed on the cross was not to secure a potential outcome, something that might happen, but He shed His blood to secure a certain outcome. That is to say, Jesus did not die to make salvation available to merely open up the path or to build a bridge or a stairway to upward to God. But rather, Jesus' blood bought and secured eternal salvation in such a way that all of His people will make it home. Not one of His will be lost. The outcome is certain because it has been purchased by Christ. We understand that Jesus' blood was a ransom. It was a price that was paid for certain goods, namely His people. The Father, we understand, would not look upon the blood of Christ with such contempt that He would deny His Son, His rightful people. The Father would not so despise the blood of His Son to allow any of His people to be lost. As Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And this is how we have peace in a world that is filled with hardship. We trust in the blood of Jesus Christ alone to bring us home. Because of this blood, we are secure and we will abide forever. Will there be times of struggle? Of course. Will there be times of doubt? Yes. Will the upward climb grow difficult? Sure. But those who truly trust in Christ by grace will abide. They will remain forever. Even as Psalm 125 tells us, we will make it home. But how will this play out in our lives? How will the Lord ensure our protection along the way? Well, in verse 3 of our text, we see that the Lord not only surrounds His people, causing them to abide forever, but that He also protects His people from evil along the way. Look down at verse 3. It says, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. The word scepter there refers to an instrument of ruling or of power. And so the promise is made that here, the the wicked rulers of the earth will not continue to rule over the people of God. Now, there may be seasons in which wicked rulers have power, but that will not last. And specifically, this wicked rule will not remain in the land allotted to the righteous. This is referring in its context to the land of Canaan, as it was allotted or distributed to the people of Israel as they received the promised land from God. You see, though there may be a season in which the wicked powers of Babylon or Assyria or Rome may come to Israel, in the long run, the land given to God's people will not ultimately be controlled by the wicked. 
And the reason given for this promise of protection is, you see there, lest the people of God, that is the righteous, be given over to wrongdoing. This statement is the assurance that our prayer for protection from evil will be answered. We are taught in the Lord's Prayer to pray, deliver us from evil. Why? Well, because we are vulnerable to evil and wickedness. On our way, we are open to spiritual attack that will divert our path and cause us to fall away from the path of righteousness. But the Lord has promised that He will not allow the evil one to reign over His people ultimately. He will not allow the evil one to destroy those for whom Christ has died. Yes, we live in a world filled with fear and hardship. There are many dangers along this path, but God has determined that He will not allow wickedness to rule over His people. We see this truth declared in Jesus' prayer to His for His people, rather, in John chapter 17. There Jesus prays to the Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Translation. Father, don't end their pilgrimage. Don't end the hardships in which they have to endure. Do not take them out of this world. But protect them from the evil one along the way. And did you know that Jesus is praying for you even now this prayer? For the Word of God tells us that Jesus makes continual intercession for His people. Jesus is praying for you as you walk this path. He is praying for you as you travel the long and hard road home. He is lifting you up, ensuring that the evil one will not rule over you. Yes, there will be pain. Yes, there will be hardship. That is the world. And Jesus has said, don't take them out of the world. There is risk in this world. When we go out of our front doors, we go into a world of danger. This was true before COVID hit, and it will be true long after we have forgotten about this cursed disease. The world is a dangerous place. But Jesus' prayer was not that His people would live in a zero-risk world, but rather His people would be protected from the power of the evil one as they traverse this world. And therefore, we can go into the world of risk with great confidence and peace because no matter what happens, no matter what struggles you endure, the Lord is protecting you from true danger. He is praying for you and delivering you from the power of Satan himself. You see, every single one of us in this room will die one day. It is part of being in the world. However, those who are in Christ Those who are in Christ while in the world, those who have repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus as their Savior, we will never truly die. For He will protect us from the evil one. For it is not physical death that we need fear, but it is spiritual death. And therefore we can have peace because through Christ the scepter of wickedness will not rest upon those who trust in Him alone for their salvation. You see, we can have peace along the way because the Lord surrounds us and causes us to abide. The Lord protects us from the evil one. 
And the third thing I want you to see is that on this pilgrim journey, we can have peace because the Lord leads us. Look down at verses 4 and 5 of our text. There we read these words. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Now here we have two paths of life that are being contrasted. The first is the way of the upright in heart. Now that word upright literally can be translated straight. The ways of those who do good are straight ways, straight paths. On the other hand, you have the way of evildoers who are following crooked ways, right? Their ways are turning, they're crooked. They are the ones who turn aside from the path. The former will lead to blessing, the the latter to a curse. This is the same contrast that we have seen throughout the Psalms, beginning in Psalm 1. If you remember in Psalm 1, we read that the straight ways, the way of the righteous leads to the blessing of the Lord. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. And in contrast, the way of the wicked will perish. You see, the way of the pilgrim can be difficult. And when those who are not truly of Christ see a softer and easier path, they will take it, right? They'll look through the trees and they'll say, hey, look, that that way looks a little bit easier, a little bit softer, a little bit more sunshine on that path, a little bit clearer, a little bit wider. The way that leads to life, though, is straight and narrow, but the way that leads to destruction is broad and easy and crooked. If you were going to climb sharp top maybe some of you in this room have done that up at the peaks of otter you better believe that you're going to be going up but imagine you're going up along this path and you begin to get tired and you see off to your right hand a nice gentle downward sloping trail why won't you take that trail because you're going up Why did you start this journey if not to go up, not to get to the top? If you see that the trail is going downward and easy, you know it's not going the right direction. Did you count the cost before you started this journey? Did you not heed the words of Christ that told you this would be long and hard? Don't turn off the path because where you are going is upward. And yes, it is hard. And yes, it is difficult. But that is the path that we have chosen to follow as those who are following after Christ. Eugene Peterson's book on the Psalms of Ascent is called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's a pretty good book, but it's an even better title. I love the title of that book. It's worth it just to read the title. Because it captures so well the dynamic of discipleship. Day in, day out, we march onward and upward to Zion. 
following Christ is not a one-time decision that you leave at the altar. It's a daily commitment and it is in the same direction each day. There are many things that might draw your attention away from following after Christ. There are false hopes and there are false gospels. But our call is to focus our attention in one direction. And no matter the distractions, no matter the pressures, we fix our eyes upon Christ and we march onward. And the promise of Psalm 125 is that the Lord will do good to those who follow after Him. That He will lead them onward towards Zion. That He will ensure every true pilgrim will reach their heavenly home. Not because of our power, but because the power of Christ securing our way home. The other day I was speaking on the phone with a member of our church, asking him how he was doing in the midst of all the COVID lockdown struggles. And he assured me that he was doing fine. And then he asked, but how are you doing? Right now the pastor is getting pastored a little bit. How are you doing? He said he had been hearing how difficult a time pastors have been having during this time and that one survey even reported a large percentage of ministers plan to leave their churches as soon as they can because of the pressures resulting from the lockdown and the general unrest in our country. One Lifeway study reported that the number of pastors who feel that maintaining unity in their church is their biggest concern is three times higher today than it was just in April. Just a few months ago to today is tripled how many pastors feel that maintaining unity is their biggest concern. And you can imagine why, right? Going to online-owned services was a nice, clean break. No nuance, right? We're just, we're not meeting, we're doing it online. But now there are endless options and opinions on how to re-engage. There are people who are done with the lockdowns and they want everything back to normal. On the other side, there are those who have maintained lockdown measures and feel that it is not only irresponsible, but it is immoral to hold in-person services. And there are an endless variety in between of what people believe we should or should not be doing in this time. And apparently the stress of maintaining unity in churches is enough to make pastors want to quit. Now, I am delighted that I can honestly say, and I honestly told my friend that I am doing well. I'm encouraged in this time. I'm not going to leave the church as soon as I can. And of course, there's always potential for disunity. But God's been gracious to our body. But that does not mean that we are all in agreement on how to proceed. Far from it. And I am sure that our approach to reopening has not satisfied everyone's opinions on how we should proceed. Some people think we're going too fast. Some people think we are going too slow. Nevertheless, things have been peaceful. So how do we maintain that unity going forward? We do it by focusing our attention on the gospel of Jesus Christ 
and not the ever-sifting sands of this world. We hold different opinions about masks, when and where to wear them. So what? That is not the gospel. We have different opinions on the lockdown. We have different opinions about schools opening. We have different opinions about politics and questions of social justice. And I am not trying to trivialize these things, but none of these things are the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they rise to such a level in your estimation of others that you are willing to break bonds of unity so that your opinion might prevail, then you have taken your eyes off of the one thing that is of central importance at this time. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The psalmist says, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon His beauty. Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I know that the pressures of the day are great to turn aside your gaze from following after Christ. I know that fear and doubt and confusion and hysteria have you looking around. But Christian, you need to focus in this time. You need to set your face like flint. You need one thing. You need one thing in this time. The same direction. The same goal. The upward call of the pilgrim to march onward towards Zion. Mass or no mass. Lockdowns or no lockdowns. In a short time, these matters will be over, but the gospel of Jesus Christ will remain forever. And our obedience must be long and it must be in the same direction. No matter the pressures of this world, set your face to Christ, Christian, in this time. How will you have peace in this time? You must trust that the Lord surrounds you and will cause you to abide. You must trust that the Lord protects you and will bring you home. And you must trust that the Lord will lead you through the hardships of this life. And He will certainly bring you safely to your heavenly home through Christ Jesus our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we come to You in this time. Lord, and I will be the first to admit that my gaze has turned to the left and to the right so often in these days. So I pray, O God, that You would fix my attention towards Zion and that You would do that for all who are here and all who hear this message. Lord, that we would set our face towards following after Christ and that our obedience would be long and that our obedience would be in the same direction. We pray, O God, that You would energize Your people, that You would strengthen us, that You would renew our youth like the eagles. We pray, O God, that You would give us great confidence, not in ourselves, but in the blood of Christ to secure our way home. And we pray, O God, for our world that is filled with so many questions and so many fears and so many doubts, that we might be proclaimers of the true Gospel of Jesus Christ in this time. And that we would not allow our varying opinions to cause division. But that we would join together in the various ways that we have. To march alongside one another onward 
and upward to Zion. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.